If you're like most of us, you own entirely too many clothes. And yet, the most common feeling we have when the time comes to dress up is I've got nothing to wear. We're constantly deal shopping and clothes buying, and yet we still feel as if we do not have the clothes we need to feel happy, stylish, attractive, and empowered. How did we get here? Turns out, the problem isn't our messy closets. It's our messy relationship to clothes, style, the fashion industry, and ourselves. Join host Aaron Flynn as we talk to the experts in the industry, history, and psychology of clothing and try to uncover how we got to this place with too many clothes and nothing to wear. Brought to you by Cloudwell. So, last episode was a lot of fun, at least for me having a former Disney star share her personal story of finding identity through clothing. This episode is another personal story, but this one's a little heavier. Lauren Scruggs Kennedy is a New York Times best-selling author, wellness warrior, lifestyle blogger, and founder of Clean Sweep. In 2011, Lauren's life was forever changed after an accident that resulted in the loss of her left eye and left hand. She's turned a horrific accident into a life of purpose, co-creating the beautifully flawed retreat for young women who have experienced traumatic limb loss and the LSK Foundation, which helps other women get access to beautiful prosthetics. Today, she's going to help us understand how when our style changes, It changes from the inside out. Lauren, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to finally, finally talk to you. I feel like we've talked over email and, you know, um, DMs and so forth. So this is so great. Um, But to get started... I believe you have covered like fashion weeks before it was a thing for bloggers to do and had even, I think I read that you interned at Gossip Girl. So take me back first to how you got started in this whole era of fashion and fashion blogging. Okay. Well, um, this is so random. I have to like really think back, but when I was in college, I went to Texas A&M my first semester, and I just didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point. So I was there, and I just remember realizing this is not the place for me. And yeah. I got this like total vision of just like where I was supposed to be that first semester, and it was in fashion, and I didn't know exactly where or what that looked like, but I really paid attention to it, and I talked to my parents and just said um, – I'm supposed to be in the fashion industry and I don't know if that's like in the buying world or in the um, like styling world. Like I don't know what part. And um, my dad had actually worked for a while in a corporate for a fashion company and he just knew a lot about it, which is like so funny to me because he's like, yes. And so he was just like, you should just start exploring what that might be. And um, they were so supportive of that. So I actually came back home to Dallas from A&M and just started doing research on fashion schools and creative schools. And I remember going to New York and I went with just our really close couple friends, the mom. So it's one of my parents' best friends. Yeah. 
Her son was one of the actors on Gossip Girl, and she had been telling me for months about the costume designer on there, and she was just like, Lo, you've got to meet him. You will love him so much. And so when we were in New York, I was with my mom and Dana, and we were looking at schools, but right when we landed, her son Chase had a fitting at Gossip Girl, which I realized was really rare. Like, it didn't happen very often. Um, And so we just went over there to kind of like say hi to him and just see what that looked like and see the set. And I remember asking the costume designer, I just said, hey, do you guys do internships? Um, And just randomly asked him and he's like, we haven't yet, but we would love to do that. If you can get school credit, then for sure, let's do it. And so that's literally how that started, which is so random. And so Yeah, I went the next semester and just moved to New York and the writer's strike was happening at the time. So basically all shows were not filming. So I talked to my parents about it and they're like, we still feel like you should go. I'm like, me too. And my parents are very like rational and just like smart in how they make decisions. So it was just so interesting how we all just had this great feeling about me still going. And um, I got there and I reached out to my friend. She was kind of like an older sister type to me when I was growing up because she worked for Michael Kors in New York for a while. And I had reached out to her in the summertime and didn't hear back. And when I moved there, I remember the first day after I got moved into our apartment, I called her and she was like, Lo, I've been meaning to call you back. It's been the craziest year. Um, what's going on? And I just said, the writer's strike is happening and I'm here for an internship, but I can't, I don't even know if I will get that internship because if the writer's strike, you know, lasts for a whole semester, nothing will come about. And she just said, come intern in Michael Kors corporate and I'd love to show you just buying week and fashion week and what that all looks like. And then if Gossip Girl comes back, just go back to that and go do that. And so it actually split like perfectly half and half where I got an experience of both worlds, which was so fun and they each were so different and I learned so much um, just from like a corporate standpoint also to like how brands buy um, or how stores buy from brands and how brands show to stores and buyers and then um, at Gossip Girl just every day was so different super creative and just like so yeah so like almost opposite of Michael Kors. And so it was really fun to see the diversity in the fashion industry. And then I remember moving back home after that semester and I just felt almost in culture shock shock going back home because I just was around people every day that were so passionate about what they were doing and so educated and inspiring. And I was just learning so much every day. And then I got back to Dallas and I was like, oh my gosh, I just feel like Dallas is amazing. It just for fashion and in college, it wasn't a place where I was just continuously inspired, um, in that industry. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start a website where I just am inspiring myself. Basically. I was almost like putting down things, you know, almost blogging. It wasn't called a blog. I don't think at that point, but what year was this then? That was in 2009. All right. So it's like super early. Like yeah, the I know. World. And I even remember, this is like so wild and such a full circle moment, but um, 
there was a girl here, her name's Jerry Hirsch, and um, she had, she has a blog and had a blog called Because I'm Addicted. And I remember there were like four that I followed because that's really all there were. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she was one of the blogs that I followed. And now I've gotten to know her here in LA, but it's just so funny because she was like the first person I followed way back then. That's so funny. I know. And so, um, yeah, I just would like pull photos and I would do all this stuff. And then I remember... Um, thinking when I was in New York, when I was working for Michael Kors, I was just like, man, I would love to experience fashion week. And so, um, I realized just how hard that was to get into that world. And, um, I saw one of my friends, Lindsay, that I grew up with, and I think we played like t-ball together and stuff like that when we were in elementary school. And I was like, Hey, okay. I noticed you were reporting for some fashion weeks. How did you do that? And she ended up connecting me with a lady in Dallas who, basically trained me how to, um, like style forecast and trend forecast and taught me how to really report on fashion week shows. And so I started going with her to New York seasonally. And then I went to Paris and Montreal, which were both totally different than New York and so amazing in each of their ways. Um, and then I just started reporting for fashion weeks on my blog and then for other places as well. But, um, that's how I really got started in that. And then college is coming to an end after several seasons of that. And I just thought, okay, what do I want to do? Like I want to, I actually had a job, um, or Michael Kors came to me and offered me a job and in New York. And, um, I had before, like a couple months before that, I just felt so led to start my own blog because I was like, okay, I want to blend my love for relationships and sharing brands that I love and just connecting with people and writing and business. And that seemed to be the answer to what all those things combining. Um, And so I started um, creating that. And then Michael Kors offered me a job like a couple months into that. And I just remember, I remember exactly where I was in the car and my dad um, was talking to me on the phone and I was telling him about it. And he was like, that's an amazing opportunity, but just so you know, like there's so much more growth in what you're doing, even though it seems riskier and kind of scary. Cause you don't, you know, there's no history in that right. industry of blogging. And so I really jumped into that full force and yeah. That's um, amazing. So did you turn down the job then? Yep. Mm-hmm. That, like, first I, of all, how insightful, like your parents sound brilliant (laughs) oh my gosh they're like so supportive of just everything and but also I just value their wisdom so much because I feel like if my mom or dad were just like hey I don't know if this is the best idea I would really listen to that because I feel like they come from just such a good perspective with things um but to have the courage to just say like oh I'm gonna try this new thing versus taking the more secure um path is so fascinating to me Totally. And at that point, I remember I was working at this um, retail store and I would work there during the day and then I would get home and just like work until midnight and just um, was really grinding at that point. But I loved it. I like could not have loved it more. So it was definitely like a I don't know, I guess when I look back, it's like a tougher path, but Mm -hmm. such a more. Well, I'm just talking from what I know, but I was just thinking so rewarding. Especially, I feel like at that time too, like there were all those shows. Um, I can't remember what they were called. Like Running in High Heels was one of them. Mm-hmm. And there was one other one that was all around like 
working for a brand, fashion brand, or working for a magazine. Yes. And it, I love that you're just like, no, I'm going to try this. <laughs> so oh great. my gosh. It does kind of blow my mind. Like when I'm literally talking about it out loud right now, I'm like, wow. You sound super bold. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was, I mean, I was really like into, I was just so passionate and like dedicated to doing what I felt like I was supposed to be doing. So you went from really, you know, creating kind of this online presence when this wasn't really a thing at the time. And then in December 2011, it seemed like everything changed. So tell us a little bit about what happened. We were going to church on, so we would go on Saturday nights because they had Sunday morning and then that was just growing so fast. So they added a Saturday night service and we usually would go to dinner with the whole group that was there, just go to someone's house afterwards and have dinner. And, um, we were really good friends with this couple and they, they like their hobby was flying little planes for fun. And I was super adventurous. So I loved all that stuff. And, um, I would babysit their little girl a lot. And, um, yeah, so they lived basically on, it was like a small airport, a little North of where we lived. Yeah. And, um, we just went over there and it was close to Christmas and we were just going on little plane rides at night to look at Christmas lights. And I just remember being the first one to offer. I was like, I would love to go. And, um, long story short, I, when I was getting off, the plane was still on and someone was getting on after me. So I just got out how I always knew to get out and was hit by the plane propeller and, um, yeah, lost my left hand and left eye, had a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. And, um, was in the hospital for three weeks, which is kind of mind blowing. They were like, you're going to be in here for months is what they were telling my family. Yeah. Um, but a huge prayer of just my family and everyone that surrounded us was just that I would get home before Christmas and I was released from the hospital on the 24th. Wow. Which is just so crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Also for you to have the brain injury on top of the other yes. um, incidents, like, yeah, for three, and three weeks does sound kind of crazy. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I just remember, I like can laugh about it now, but when I was in um, PT, so it was like rehab, but I basically, I was in this rehab place at the hospital that just was like not challenging me at all. And mm-hmm. I anyone that knows me knows like challenging me will lead to like my healing and that's just what I need. So I feel like I was being babied and I'm like, I can't do this. I like, this is, I need more. And so I went to this place called athletes performance and the PT lady there is just like one of the best. And, um, it was just like 20 major and minor baseball players. Um, so just a really fun environment. I feel like they all were like my brothers and, Um, I was just with them every day for a couple hours. And um, I remember one day I was like, it like kind of hurts when I breathe. And um, my PT lady was like, I think you have like some broken ribs. (laughs) And I was like, wait, maybe. I'm like, let me ask my doctors. And they're like, oh, we totally forgot to tell you because I was like not really worrisome at that point. (laughs) But I just was like laughing about it because I'm like, oh, naturally, like I broke some ribs, but didn't really know. Right. To anyone else would be a huge deal. (laughs) Yes. It it was so funny. So I was like, okay. What's so crazy is I remember at the time hearing about the accident because Mm -hmm. I was, I started my fashion blog in, I think it was 2009. Oh my god! And so I was around the same period and you were one of the people that I was like looking to, you're you're doing it. Um, so I immediately, like when I heard about it, obviously thought about you and then 
went to kind of like, what would I do in that situation? Once you kind of realized your new reality, what was your experience in processing your new normal? And how did that kind of get you back into your career? And what was all of that like? Yeah, so I really took like a two-year pause from anything career-related just because I was just trying to get back to normal things and I was learning how to do things a little differently Um, and even, yeah, just like making sure physically my body was healed as well as it could be and um, obviously emotionally that just goes alongside the physical, but we had so many amazing friends that just walked alongside of us and it's like the most humbling thing. And then honestly, like Dallas came around us, people internationally were sending us notes and prayers and it was just a wild experience. But I think all I'd say, it's just, it really is a journey. And I feel like even today I'm still processing new things because certain things will get triggered at certain points in time and you have to revisit some things and then some things you feel like you're totally healed through and they'll pop back up here and there and your life just continues to change. So you're just like, oh, wow. Okay. I, yeah. But, um, with career things, I took that two year break and then, um, ended up meeting Jason and then got back into career stuff soon after that, where I was just kind of like, okay, I think I'm getting back into life and I think I'm ready to, kind of like dip my toes into this again and see what it's like. Um, So that was just kind of a bigger step, I would say, into getting back fully into life. Yeah. And I'm so curious, having been part of the, I mean, you were really part of the fashion industry, which most people, you know, think about is the focus on the outward appearance. How did the accident change kind of your perspective and how you, did you redefine beauty? Yeah, I feel like I heard this the other day in a podcast and it's so true, but when you go through a physical trauma, um, you see really what you held is so important in your life. I didn't think I valued outward appearance that much, but then after my accident, I was like, and of course you're grieving the loss of your eye and your arm and you look different and half my head was shaved and all this stuff. And, um, so that's just grief in general. So obviously you're going to care about that and it just happens to be physical, but I realized like, oh my gosh, I think I valued, um, like guys thinking I was pretty and, um, I don't know, people thinking I looked cute or something. And I just really had to almost be proven wrong. So I thought in my head that people were going to just treat me so differently and that they wouldn't view me as just like a normal person or they would baby me and try to do everything for me or just not respect me. Um, I don't know. I just had all these fears of just kind of the unknown. And then I realized really soon after it was like the complete opposite. I feel like, um, it was almost as though because my story was out there, everyone felt I was a person they could trust. So I would even be in the grocery store and I would have several people come up to me and tell me their story of what they were going through at the time. I think that in general showed me like beauty is so much more than the physical because it's just, it can be so much deeper and it really relates to your character and just how you love people. And this life is so short. And I feel like it's probably a struggle for every woman and guy to of just, we do care about how we look and we're human beings. 
but I feel like when you go through something like that, your whole perspective changes and it's just like, oh my gosh, okay, our life is so short and it can change in an instant. And what really matters is just how you love people, how you're kind to people, how I feel like sharing your story is so important. And um, like, why not? You know, right. we have this one life and why not share it? And yeah, I feel like isolation or just avoiding pain and all of that can be so detrimental and so I think that all relates to beauty so yeah I feel like I did have to redefine it and I it almost like forced me to redefine it which I'm so grateful for and gave you kind of like the voice to talk about it then openly to people who maybe didn't feel comfortable doing that I read so I read that not everyone's insurance covers your prosthetics which is literally insane to me oh my gosh so can yeah. you talk a little bit about what you've learned <laughs> like once this happened and you actually started sharing your story what you learned about some of um other people who've experienced a similar situation and also kind of the foundation itself yeah okay so basically I started getting um prosthetic arms probably about six months after my accident because it's kind of the best time to do it because your arm will start to atrophy. So it's good to almost have something on there that's weighted to keep it strong. And so I just remember getting my arms and the majority of every one of them were covered by insurance. So I just assumed that was so normal. And then I had several experiences soon after I got my arm. So one was an event and it was this fashion show and there was um, the cutest girl and she was walking in it as a model and she had a prosthetic arm and she came up to me like, where did you get your arm? Mine is falling apart. My thumb has a hole in it, all this stuff. Um, And I just got into a conversation with her and she was telling me how insurance didn't cover it. And then my friend introduced me to her friend who she is so precious. And she was trying to decide with her husband if they should save for a new arm or save for in vitro to have a baby. And um, a prosthetic arm can range literally from like 25,000 upward to like 60, um, out of pocket if you were to pay cash. And so it's just so crazy. And And I heard that story. That decision to be like, do we want a child or do we want this? Oh my gosh. And these two girls were girls that were born without their arms. So that's not easier by any means, but when, so I had met these two girls and then my friend and I started this retreat for girls that had lost limbs about a year or a year and a half after my accident. And I remember um, just the first day I was walking in and we, so my friend Bethany, she lost her arm um, from a shark attack and then I lost my arm. So we knew more girls with that had lost arms rather than legs. So yeah. we walked in and I'm just like, meeting everybody and one girl was like where's Lauren and I'm like that's me I'm right here she was like what and she was so confused because she didn't realize I was missing an arm and um anyways it led into this whole discussion because none of the girls had prosthetic arms and I was so like shocked I just didn't understand why and there are about 15 girls there and we just started individually getting into these conversation with conversations with girls and they were just like yeah the problem's insurance they just won't cover it and then to follow that, um, one of my friends, she lost all four of her limbs and she was just in a full fight with insurance to get arms that basically would help her function in her life with two babies. She had like two little ones and um, they would only give her hooks because they're the most like basic thing. And 
Um, she was like, I literally can't have hooks because I, that's just dangerous with right. two babies. And, um, anyways, I just kept hearing story after story and this lady that she's like almost 60, she lost her leg in a motorcycle accident when she was 16. And then my friend Ashley, who's my age and lost her foot in an accident when she was eight in a train accident. And, um, we all had the same passion. We were just like, what is going on here? This is so crazy. And so we joined together and created the Lauren Scruggs Kennedy Foundation, which provides beautiful cosmetic coverings, which is like the skin part of prosthetic arms and legs. Because um, if you have that part covered, most of the time insurance will cover like the, basically like the under part of an arm or leg. Yeah, yeah like the sense. structure. And that, I like, I keep stumbling over my words because it just is so crazy to me that if you go through something as traumatic as that would be, and then you're kind of faced with the financial or the um, just having to think about then this second part, Um, like you would think that the the tragedy of losing a limb um, would be enough to then, you know, someone to sweep in and like help you be able to get a good prosthetic. So it's just so crazy to me that, that your face was kind of like this double uh, tragedy one after another. Oh my gosh. It like broke my heart and made me so upset. I'm like, what yeah. is wrong with like, what is happening? And yeah, it's just been like such a joy helping these girls because um, I think my main goal is just to help women not feel alone in their journeys. And that's a little way of doing that. So just to see that happening is so joyful. And, um, I experienced that just with girls that came around me. So I wanted to do the same for other girls. And yeah, that's what I was, I was going to ask is how have the people in your life, you mentioned your parents, mm-hmm. um, but then you met Jason too. So how have the people in your life shaped how you think about your own beauty and your own style? Everyone's just very encouraging. Even like my parents from just growing up, they always encouraged us into who we were. So they weren't trying to make us into anybody. They're like, what are you passionate about? let's hone in on that and just really build that, um, just for your own joy and all these things. And then I feel like they're, yeah, all of them, even Jason, oh my gosh, he's helped me so much just with acceptance, I think of my loss and just who I am now, because when I moved to LA, it was just such a different journey of these people don't really know my story and they didn't know me before and they didn't know me during and now they know me after, but that's all they know, which is awesome. And they can't, you know, they can't get to know the history without having been there. And, um, so I feel like just coming, I don't know, it just felt really vulnerable when I came here and I was just like, it's really vulnerable to show my arms. Sometimes it's kind of my biggest insecurity mm-hmm. and it feels like, like a situation you're like yeah <laughs> and I didn't start it from the beginning so if I had done that it wouldn't have been a thing but now it's a thing <laughs> so I'm just like that was just kind of on me this but is I- what I'm so curious about because mm-hmm. here's the thing like I feel like most of us have this perception of the per- you know pressures part- particularly around beauty mm-hmm. that it would take to live and be around Hollywood and yes. then you and Jace- Jason seem to be in this like really unique position to where mm-hmm. you have seen the perception of what people think about others based off, you know, social media or their online presence and you not even kind of you're growing up in Dallas. Um, but then also you get to truly see what's behind that by really getting to know and be friends with some of these people who work and live in Hollywood. And so yeah. 
for you, um, what is kind of like the biggest misconception of those who, you know, live and work in Hollywood or, and what do you kind of want the everyday person in, you know, the Midwest or in Texas to kind of, what do you wish they knew? Oh my gosh. Okay. I remember I'm going to bring New York in for a second too, because I feel like I had the same viewpoint as that industry, which is right. But New York, yeah, it would have been like working on Gossip Girl. Like that would be crazy, you know, for someone not in New York. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember people from Dallas, like the parents were just like, are you sure you want to go? It's just such a dark industry. I was like, what? I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? And so I went there and I just had like the people that I worked with every day in both places were some of the most incredible people I had been around. Some of the most welcoming, encouraging, amazing people. And I feel like here it's so similar um, because a lot of people are just transplanted from Mm -hmm like Texas and Ohio and just so many different places. And I feel like people here usually don't have family nearby. So they view their friends as family, which is super cool. Um, But yeah, there are so many, I feel like it's just surprising if you kind of keep your eyes open to it of just how many incredible people are around here, but you obviously do have to find that. I feel like anywhere you go, whether it's Dallas, Ohio, California, New York, any place, um, you can get into the wrong group and not be surrounded by great people yeah. anywhere, but it doesn't really matter. It just, you know, that's not specific to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like people here are just so encouraging to each other and they just are so supportive and they also just get this world. I mean, it's kind of a weird world if you think yeah. about it. <laughs> and so I don't know, it just, to have that relatability to some people and then just realizing everyone's like pretty down to earth and they just want to be normal people. And, um, you know, I'm more talking about people that are actors or actresses or very big in the public eye. And, um, everyone's the same in some degree. If you think about it, like no one wants to feel loneliness. Everyone wants to feel like they're supported in their journey and they want to feel known and all these things. And so, I feel like that's what I've really noticed out here. And also, um, I just like don't care who people are. (laughs) So I feel like I just innately have that in me where I'm just like, you are who you are. And I I really don't care what you do. Like I care because I want to support you, but I don't, it doesn't matter to me if you are this like huge actor, huge actress or big producer, like whatever you do. I just want to know like who they are and, um, just be a genuine friend. And I feel like you must have to have somewhat of that perspective or foundation to really um, have genuine friendships, you know, because there's no other intent behind it. Um, So, yeah, no, that makes total sense. And also I've, you said something like I've never really thought about, which is (laughs) most people don't grow up there. Like if, if you became, or if you're, you know, big in the industry or whatever, you likely moved there and yes. came from whether it's humble beginnings or just, you know, a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's just kind of, everyone's just trying to do their job. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I feel like I was thinking about everyone has such a different skill. So mm-hmm. some skills just happen to be where you're more in front of people. And I'm like, I think of that with like a teacher just happens to be you're in front of your right. class and you're and the parents of the kids and like all this stuff. And then an actor just happens to be where tons of people see you and, but they're really just living in their skill. So you have this belief that everything's rooted in balance. What do you think is the biggest lie we're told around style? 
I feel like comparison is a big lie Mm -hmm. and we can get so caught up in that with social media and just the people around us and kind of like who we hope to be. I say that in quotation marks. Um, and I've been there and done that too, where you're just kind of like, wow, it's kind of a little greater than just inspiration. Like I feel like you can be inspired by someone's style or whatever. And you're like, Oh, I love that. I want to incorporate that. But instead just being almost like lost in it and you can get overtaken by it. And then I also, okay. I've been thinking about this a lot recently because it makes me laugh sometimes that I'm in this industry because I truly am the most comfortable in who I am when I'm in like a neutral, like tank top and yoga pants or denim shorts or (laughs) jeans. And just like, I don't know, just like not really makeup on and I'm like, I just feel so good or I'm in nature and I like, that's my favorite place in the world or around animals or whatever it might be. And there can be so much pressure behind it. Yeah. And I've sometimes put that pressure on myself, like crap, I'm like a fashion blogger. And like, I honestly don't care what I look like today or tomorrow or the next day. And I just, I don't know. And then one day I'll get inspired. I'm like, okay, I feel like I want to put on something cute today. But most days I'm just like being who I am is just very simple and basic. And that's what I love. You know what I mean? So I I think just not putting too much pressure on yourself, but just making sure it's like really fun and that you don't lose yourself in how people view you when they see your style. Yep. I totally get it. Cause I feel (laughs) like, um, similar. It's like, Oh, you run Cladwell, and then I'm yeah. in sweatpants at home. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> and there's yes. so many pictures that my husband and my, you know, um, family could take and put on the internet <laughs> that would not be flattering. Totally. Yeah. And I think about when, okay, like compliments are so amazing. And we were talking about this the other day too with friends, but like compliments are the best. Like they're so sweet, and I like, I don't know, so encouraging and all this stuff. But I feel like sometimes compliments can be a detriment at some points of time because you feel like you have to live up to these consistent compliments like Mm -hmm. you look so cute your style is so amazing like whatever it might be and um I think just yeah again always remembering like who you are in the heart of who you are and that's awesome if you your style is amazing and stuff but just like ignoring that pressure of having to live up to that and I may be looking way too deeply into No, that. I, yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> you know. Um, so how, throughout this entire journey, and again, having started in the fashion industry to having this, you know, traumatic accident, um, how, how have you evolved from that moment mm-hmm. when you were on the set of Gossip Girl to today um, being way more comfortable with yourself? What, what has this journey been like? Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like then I just did not have a ton of Mm self-awareness. I just lived in this joyful little happy bubble, which isn't bad necessarily, but I feel like the accident just really opened my eyes to real life and pain and all those different things and just really learning how to grieve well, how to be aware of even little things like what's causing me anxiety if I'm feeling that way or what's making me sad or what's making me frustrated. I feel like I used to just push a lot of those things down. Coming to that point has opened up kind of what I do in my career also. And, um, just being more open about my life. And then also wellness has been a huge thing for me. So, 
I really struggled with fatigue when I got to LA and, um, I really started digging into what was causing that. And, um, it's just opened up this whole new journey of figuring that out and just coming to a point where I felt good. And that took a lot of emotional digging, physical digging, research, education. Um, but it's been such a joy to share all those things because I feel like so many of us are going through that right. all and we just don't know what to do with it. And wellness can be confusing and overwhelming as a whole. And so, yeah, my goal is just to make it practical and simple. But um, yeah, that I don't know if that would have been a focus of mine back then just because I was more like deeply into the whole fashion aspect, which is awesome too. But I feel like it's added just more like depth and layers to what I'm passionate about now and even um, the foundation to help girls and things like that. I don't think I would have had such a specific way of wanting to give back. Okay, I'm getting into my last three questions. <laughs> um, they're kind of rapid fire. So what moment in this journey would you consider life altering? I think the biggest thing, honestly, is moving to California. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I want to ask more questions, but I'm going to move on to the next one. Okay. okay. (laughs) What's the one piece of wisdom in this whole process that you've gained that you wish to pass on? That everyone has a story and pain doesn't last forever. And finish the sentence, I believe. I believe that everyone has an incredible purpose. Oh, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lauren, this was so great. I am so glad I finally got to talk to you and actually hear your story out of your mouth. Um, And I just really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to jump on here. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Lauren Scruggs Kennedy for sharing her story of style evolution. If you want to follow along with Lauren on her journey, Check out her excellent blog, laurenscruggskennedy.com, or follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Lauren Scruggs. If this is the first episode you're listening to, I highly recommend you go back and start from the beginning. So much of what we're talking about now hinges on a true understanding of the problem, which is the focus of episodes one through five. Next, on the final episode of Too Many Clothes and Nothing to Wear, we're closing out strong, talking to one of the pioneers of the capsule wardrobe about what we can do now to find freedom through fashion. It's not about the closet. It's not about clothes. It's about freeing up the resources that you've devoted to everything in your closet for things that really matter. 